A vegan superhero is a new breed of athlete. Stronger, healthier, and driven by purpose. Vegan superheroes wage war against society's status quo and win. Vegan superheroes battle the forces of evil that profit from the suffering of others. Vegan superheroes take a stand for what they believe in and prove the haters wrong. If you ask the meatheads and clueless fitness gurus, they'll tell you that what we're doing is impossible, yet it's happening every single day. Vegan superheroes inspire change, spread compassion, challenge the status quo, and fuel the revolution. Our mission is to help you become a vegan superhero. Welcome to the Vegan Gym Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are officially back in our hometown, Good Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Amish, Amish country. <laughs> yeah, so we I did the Ironman race, so our whole family went there for that. And then we ended up going to Orlando, Florida for a week. And this was a vacation that we had planned many months before I decided to do the Ironman. This, and, this, I mean, this was literally over a year ago. Yeah. And, <laughs> our and mom's our, a planner. <laughs> our mom is just super excited for this. And we had a really amazing time. But yeah, we just kind of uh, unplugged for, for that week. But anyways, uh, back here in Lancaster, getting it done. Uh, I actually just had my first leg workout this morning uh, for the first, like, first serious leg workout for the first time in probably six months. Well, which, you're going to be sore. Which felt weird. <laughs> so I started, I, I've really been missing heavy hip thrusts. So I jumped in and did some heavy hip thrusts. I actually, I definitely feel like I don't have that strength, obviously, that I had six plus months ago, but um, I'm still able to work up to a, a respectable weight and kind of uh, push through my workout. Yeah, it's definitely something that you want to slowly ramp back into so you don't spark any injuries <laughs> yeah and i really took the time to warm up like i did way more warm-up sets and went much slower than i typically do for training and it just felt really good just getting into it and i went uh so we go to this kind of like grungy gym mcmillan gym and i just love well, the I, environment. Want to, I want to say grungy that's like a negative term <laughs> no i don't think it's negative that's the kind of gym i want to go to. well i think it's negative <laughs> no i think yeah grungy is a a grungy gym, that's the kind of gym that I want to be in. Like the polished like corporate gyms, that doesn't really interest me. I'll go to them, but that's not the preferred workout environment for me. But anyways, speaking to the grungy nature of it, I went to the bathroom like halfway through my workout and I went to go wash my hands and the sink just started filling up with like all this dirty water. It's like muddy water. <laughs> and uh, I remember how much dirt like you get on your hands, like grabbing the barbells and stuff like that. So surely you had this experience, right? No. <laughs> no? <laughs> no. I just know all the like dirty barbells. <laughs> Maybe you just picked the wrong ones. <laughs> okay. I've never had that issue. <laughs> okay. Well, my hands are always dirty. It could, it could probably be from the weights because the weights get rusty a little bit because of the the humidity could be, and could be a little bit of rust so yeah i know the barbell i was using was a little rusty as well but anyways i'm here washing my hands and they're just like i think like, i think we need to take a moment and say like you should go to this gym not based off of what we <laughs> just were saying like this is a badass gym <laughs> no i'm saying this is a benefit i'm not saying otherwise <laughs> i don't think people would look at that as a benefit <laughs> okay well it doesn't matter but grungy and my hands are just like having all this soot come off yeah well, that's the same thing. Grungy and dirty. It's got basically the same thing. Anyway, so I'm here washing, washing my hands and I had this thought. I was like, 
I'm back in the dirt. <laughs> I was like, that's that's like the environment I really want to be in, like back here <laughs> in this grungy gym, listening to some like hardcore music and just throwing around some heavy weights. I was like, this feels like home. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> <So> okay. <laughs> anyways, I thought that you would have like the same experience, but apparently you, I don't you look touch at, all the clean weights. I don't look at it through that lens, but uh, it, yeah. I'm, I, I always just... I, we, we've chatted about this before, but I only choose the environment because of the individuals there. It's just like, I, I don't care what weight there is. I don't care what machines I have access to, but I really ultimately just care about the people I'm lifting next to um, because, yeah, that's one thing where like the other commercial gym that we have memberships to is just like super, what's the... What's the the wording that's worse than grungy? Uh, it's too polished. judgmental. It's too polished, judgmental. Yeah, it's just it doesn't have the right vibe. Right, like you go in there and you don't feel like it's home. Yeah. It's it's like it's a gym and you have to go there and work out. It's not not really the same feeling. Yeah. Anyways, okay, grungy, dirty. Like <laughs> th- apparently that's the environment that I want to train in. All right, just I'm, just for <laughs> reference, uh, grungy equals home to life. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, when it comes to gyms, I think that's accurate. But uh, anyways, I just had a really great workout, and I I think one thing that's really surprised me through all of Ironman prep is that I actually, I really didn't lose as much strength and muscle mass as I expected. Um, I'm going to go into more detail in another episode about you gone a Texas all of that. I really should have. I, I realized that like this past week as I'm starting to get back into it, I thought, you know, I really should have gotten a DEXA scan. I guess I should still do that now and then be able to compare those results to a few months from now because I think I'm going to be building back pretty quickly. So that'll be kind of cool. But yeah, I just, uh, I've felt a lot stronger and maintained a lot more muscle mass than I thought that I would uh, through training. And I was initially intending to balance both resistance training and endurance training. I do think it's possible, but I just didn't have the time to do it, nor the energy. So I think that is possible. And if I were to ever do another serious endurance event, I would like to uh, spend a little bit more effort trying to balance those two more uh, better. And um, I think it. I think it would really come down to just duration of time. Yeah, it's really just time. If you can add another, like if, if you had two years, like I think it could have easily been done. Yeah, I thought you meant total training time per week. But well, that's that too, also higher. That too. I, I <laughs> yeah. think. I think the, like the the more duration of time that you have to train would make it so much more easy <laughs> yeah no it really would and because we try to really condense it down uh to what like eight months six months yeah you got started before i did so i only really had like five and a half solid months of training yeah so like you had to go straight into like hardcore training for that yeah so and and it was good i think um i think i did my training well uh and i attribute pretty much that exclusively to my coach uh, so the whole training portion, it felt good, but I'd really love to be able to continue doing weight training through that. And I do think it's possible to balance the two, but anyways, I was pretty surprised with the lack of resistance training that I did. I was working out, maybe hitting weights, maybe once a month, like for a shorter workout, like 30 minutes or something. so zero, <laughs> <laughs> pretty, pretty close to zero. Uh, but I think just maintaining enough calories 
enough of a high enough calorie intake, I think that really made the difference. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I just, uh, I, and that's coming from a dude that eats a lot. Like yeah, I, I, I was in, I was in pain with how much I had to eat, uh, yeah. balancing everything together. Cause I don't even like eating to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. not normal. <laughs> yeah. So I guess we're different in our gym preferences and also different in our eating preferences. Yeah. I like clean, clean. He likes grungy. <laughs> I like working out dirty and eating dirty, <laughs> eating a bunch. All right, cool. So yeah, I just wanted to kind of recap the race a little bit and just talk about a few points in the race that I think uh, are kind of interesting that people might enjoy hearing about. So this was uh, Ironman Maryland's. I completed this on September 18th. That was race day, 2021. The race for an Ironman triathlon is 2.4 miles for the swim. And then you get on a bike and you bike 112 miles and then you run a marathon, which is 26.2 miles. My total time for that was 15 hours, one minute and one second. And just to clarify, like this is back to back. This isn't like a three day event type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> because uh, people think of these shot. like a one day event for each of these different events, which yeah. is just absurd. That would have made it a little easier. <laughs> Actually, I'm not sure because then you'd be sore for the next right. day and you would also be like mentally fatigued. I'm not sure. It probably would be a little easier, but still not easy. So for the swim... I, I was most surprised by my swim. I ended up swimming the 2.4 miles in an hour and 21 minutes. I think I did at least another quarter mile because I was all over the place with the current. It was really difficult for me to get that down and understand how it was moving me around. And I, I didn't give that as much thought as I should have. Um, I also didn't really sleep that much the night before. This was one thing I was really worried about. So I ended up going to bed around, I think I got in bed before 7 p.m. And my goal was to get nine hours of sleep. And I ended up only sleeping about four hours. I very rarely have issues with sleeping, but it's just the the nervous energy that you have. And uh, excitement I at was, the same time. Yeah, excitement, dread, wondering if you're going to live to see the next 24 hours. <laughs> So oh just kind of like, yeah, just, uh, just that, that if you're having those thoughts, you might not want to be doing a race like this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not sure that I'll do it again, but, um, but yeah, I didn't sleep that much. Got into the water. I was pretty much the last person into the water. I just went into the end of the line and I was expecting, I was honestly expecting this to take me upwards of two hours to complete. So got into the water and then just started hitting a stride. I just felt really good. Things were moving forward. So I swam a lot faster than I was expecting. Uh, an hour and 21 minutes wasn't even a consideration for kind of the duration that I would take in the water. And it was made worse by the current and also jellyfish. The jellyfish were absolutely horrendous. The first thing that Honor said when I got out of the water is, wow, what happened to your face? Because <laughs> my whole face was just destroyed. Well, we were, we were at a transition point and uh, every, every single person I was running past when they saw their family or anything, they were, they were just like, F the jellyfish. You're like, I got stung like seven, eight times. And I was yeah. like, oh my goodness. I got a few really bad ones to the face and it feels like the jellyfish is still stuck to you and it's still like stinging you. So I was like trying to claw my face. And a few times I actually uh, kind of clawed my goggles down a little bit and then had to empty the water and realign them. And I also pulled off my nose plug once. I did this entire swim with a nose plug because I was, I kind of, 
I found out a few months ago that I was most comfortable just doing freestyle through my and breathing through my mouth exclusively. So I was using a nose plug and I ripped that off like halfway through and somehow it got caught on my finger. So I still had it on my finger. I actually ended up having a backup as well that I, I tucked uh, into my wetsuit, which I actually ended up needing because another guy, this was almost towards the end. I was probably, uh, probably a 10th of a mile away from the finish line or from transition rather. And this guy like was swimming very aggressively and he, he ended up swimming under me. I'm not really sure how he made that happen, but I was just like minding my own business dolphin swimming. <laughs> and he just like somehow goes under me and he just keeps going as if it was like normal to swim under people. Uh, there is a lot of, there's, there's a lot of kind of commotion in the water and you do hit other people, but swimming under someone is very strange. And when he was doing that, something in his, either his hand or a foot or something pulled my nose plug off. So then I ended up actually losing my nose plug and and I just used the other one that I had stored in my wetsuit. But yeah, the, uh, between the current and jellyfish, it was kind of a difficult swim, but I was really surprised with how I went with how it went. We were, um, we were all surprised. Yeah. <laughs> I was not expecting to get out of the water that fast. Um, actually, I didn't even know what my time was and I got out of the water and then I forget if it was you or dad who said, I was like, oh, that's fast. Right. <laughs> well, way when, faster than I thought. When, it, when it said we were tracking him on this app and it said that you completed it and you were in transition and we were like, did Leif like cut a corner or something <laughs> <laughs> we we're like i hope he doesn't have to like go backwards yeah <laughs> and i have to redo a portion because like it, the gps wasn't working that well um and so like you're it it showed you not go around the first circle it just showed you go around into the finish line oh really and, yeah and we were just like oh my goodness like for like 30 minutes we we're just like Delay just like is he just chatting with people there saying like how do I go back and complete this thing? Yeah. So it was just like we had no idea what was happening and mom was like all worried and everything. Oh really? I didn't <laughs> yeah. know anything about that. Yeah, they were supposed to do timing about halfway through. So you didn't get any time for that? No. Uh we um, didn't get any notifications or anything. We just saw your your little icon just go to the finish line. We're like, yo, you missed a turn. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to start the army, yeah. man. <laughs> but they have so many people out there. There's no way that you could cut a turn. But uh, yeah, I just, I felt really good. And I was just, everything was, my stroke was just really solid. I was in this complete rhythm. And even though I kept getting stung by jellyfish and it threw me off a little bit, I just kept getting back on track and it just, it uh, flowed really well. Uh, so I ended up spending... 19 minutes in transition. So 19 minutes, four seconds. It's a pretty long time to be in transition, but I just wanted to, I really wanted to take my time through transition. So I didn't forget anything. And I, I was about to go bike 112 miles and I want to be sure every single thing is like accounted for. I've got my sunscreen. I've got everything positioned correctly. It I was have, unreal have to right see stuff. how some people transitioned. Like the how first, fast they do. Yeah. Like yeah. the first people just, that got out of the water, they ran and like, they didn't even stop in the tent to change or anything. They just kept going. Right. The top, well, usually professional athletes are going to get through transition in like a minute, yeah, one minute. That's insane. And that, it was a pretty long transition though, because you had to run across the field and everything. Yeah. So yeah, I looked do they at even the, factor that into the race? Yeah. 
Yeah, that counts to your total time. Oh, okay. Yeah, or else they wouldn't be running through it. <laughs> no, I, I mean as far as the distance. Uh, I don't know, actually. <laughs> because, Maybe not. I mean, that is literally like, what, half a mile? <laughs> it was probably half a mile total yeah. through all the transitions. Uh, probably a quarter mile from end to end. Well, maybe a little bit over half a mile actually total. Huh. So yeah, it was. It uh, does add does add some distance. But uh, but yeah. Well, no, it couldn't possibly be half a mile if these guys are getting through in a minute. Because I literally looked at the profess the top guy, and he was he was through transitions in less than a minute. So I think I might just count first because there are there are certain segments that you run over that marks the time. Oh, that's true. So he could have gone over that marker within a minute that's and true then i'm not sure where they count the start of the bike right. but anyways i got on the bike and was feeling really good like i did not exert myself in the swim and i went way faster than i than i was expecting to but i get onto the bike course and i was actually i was fiddling with your gps i took honors gps that he has, had been using on his bike his bike computer and I didn't know how to reset it because I had done a ride the day before, like a short one and just test out the GPS. That was the first time I had used it and I didn't know how to reset it. So it was starting at a four, like the 45 minute mark for this ride. So I kept fiddling with it and then I realized I'm just wasting time. And so I just added, I just kept adding the number of miles and the number of minutes that I had. Oh, that would annoy me so much. Yeah. Well, it was annoying me, but I just decided, you know what? I don't really care. So Anyways, uh, that was, took me a, a few minutes to get that down, but the whole bike course, it went really well. Uh, the bike course was super flat. I just set, uh, a really big gear and I just turned through the miles and it felt pretty good. Uh, I realized I was kind of doing some mental math and my goal based on what I felt like was possible that day was to average 18 miles per hour. Didn't quite hit that. I was averaging about 17.6 miles per hour. But it just felt really solid. felt really good. I kept passing people. and um, That's always the best. <laughs> it is. Always yeah. the best. It makes it, you feel uh, so good. It really helps kind of you mentally. And that's part of the reason that I got into the water last is I thought, well, first of all, I thought I was going to be last out of the water. But I also was thinking that's the best position to pass people. And, uh, and that always gives you a little bit of a psychological boost. Right. I actually think going to our last hurt me because then I was constantly trying to pass people because I was going way faster than everyone that I went into the water with. It was it was uh, pretty challenging. And by that time, lots of people had already were on their second loop. So I was actually uh, around a bunch of other people who who apparently I'm faster than in the water, <laughs> which uh, felt kind of weird. Um, but did really well with my nutrition. I was taking in salt every 10 miles. Uh, my coach BJ had this base salt, uh, thing that he recommended to me and I was just licking salt off of this. I, I literally ate like a few tablespoons of salt, uh, throughout the race. And I'm just constantly like, uh, licking my thumb every 10 miles. I also got in about 300 calories per hour, uh, which was, well, I got in a little bit more than that, but uh, the minimum was 300 calories per hour. That's what I had been training with. And it felt really good. Got off the bike, was feeling really solid. was feeling a little sore and super wobbly. And like my butt always hurts from these, from sitting on the bike for that long. I know you don't really have that problem and I'm not sure what, what issue I have, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, it's a problem and it didn't feel so good, but 
got uh, got the T2. Oh, so the total time for for the bike was six hours and 21 minutes. Then I got to T2 and that took me 15 minutes and 53 seconds to get through. Again, I just kind of took my time, got on my run gear. And when I hit the run course, I felt amazing. I felt like I was just starting my day and I was just ready to churn through the miles. I kept mentally kind of reminding myself to keep, keep it kind of held back a little bit, like not go out at the pace that I felt like I could hit because I knew that would screw me later. So I held back. I averaged uh, about 1030 miles for the first 10 miles. And it just felt super easy. Everything just felt like kind of clockwork. And my strategy was running from uh, aid station to aid station. And then I would walk the aid stations as I'm taking in water and Gatorade and kind of nutrition. And that just felt like it was working really well. But around a mile around mile 11, that's when things started falling apart. And I think the main mistake that I made was relying on course nutrition. So I was using stuff that I had not previously used in training. And everybody knows that's a huge no-no. And I don't know why I was thinking this is perfectly fine (laughs) during the actual run. But I was drinking Pepsi. I had some Red Bull. That was a huge mistake. Oh, gross. I was, <laughs> yeah, I was so <laughs> bad. <laughs> terrible yeah, choice. No, it was, I don't even understand why they have that on the course. I think that's like probably the worst thing that you could be drinking. It was It was really bad. Immediately after I drank, I'm like, hmm, that doesn't feel so good. Yeah. Um, I also had a craving for some real food. So I ended up having some pretzels and grapes, which was totally a mistake. Uh, I also had some watermelon. Honors uh, ran and gave me some watermelon, and so did my sister. So that actually tasted really good. I I enjoyed the watermelon, but I'm not sure that that pretzels me. and Red Bull. Disgusting. Pretzels and Red Bull, totally bad to be consuming during a marathon. That that really was a terrible mistake. So no surprise, my stomach started revolting against me around eleven uh, mile eleven. And I just couldn't keep anything down. I started throwing up and just lost everything in my stomach. I couldn't even keep water down. It wasn't really appealing to me. I kept trying to drink water and it just didn't feel right. So I would take sips here and there, but I couldn't really do much more than that. I kept putting ice uh, over my head, down my jersey. I kept uh, pouring cold water over my head. I was trying to get all of these variables pulled together, but it was just really it was really difficult and I knew I wasn't getting in nearly enough fluids, but I just couldn't keep it down. So I ended up going from pretty solid running pace to uh, just doing a combination of run walking. I was doing the best I could, but eventually my stomach really wouldn't even allow me to do that. And I just kept feeling like I was on the verge of getting sick again. So from uh, then it was probably around mile 16 or so that, uh, I really started slowing down and mile 20 plus I was basically just walking. And from mile 20 plus, I also started feeling dehydrated. Obviously I'm not taking in enough fluid. I'm losing plus a lot of sweat. you literally slowed down too. So you had time to like process things in your body. Yeah. It sounds terrible. Yeah. It was miserable. I actually laid down on the course twice from beyond mile 20. And I just, I kept needing to like get my head right because my body was not functioning properly. Everything was revolting. My body was screaming at me to stop. And I just, I kept feeling sick. The last four miles 
during this marathon were the most mentally challenging miles by far that I've ever had to do. And I was just walking and I could barely get my body to do that. So I was, I, I've had to fight my mind lots of times in training, but this, I was just fighting my mind every single step. It just felt totally brutal. My dad, well, our dad met, uh, met me at the beginning of the last mile and between him meeting me and the cheering crowd that you can hear as you're going through and doing the last uh, mile, I ended up having a decent final mile and I was able to jog a little bit of it. And part of that was that I didn't really have anything else in my stomach to make me sick at that point. Uh, but I was in really rough shape. Ended up crossing the finish line. I was kind of delusional. I didn't, I didn't really uh, have as much of that finish line experience as I was hoping to have, but at least I was done. <laughs> and uh, I was in pretty rough shape after that. So one of our team members, Stacy, had come to help us out and help and uh, just watch the race. And uh, I went with her to get uh, get my bike and transition gear because I had forgotten my little bike checkout ticket. So I had to personally be there to pick everything up. And I probably had to walk about a mile total to go down there and get it and, and bring it back to the car. And it uh, that single mile took me over an hour to just... <laughs> to just walk down, grab the stuff. And I was leaning on Stacy the whole time because I just like my legs didn't want to work and I just kept feeling sick. And uh, then we started driving back to our Airbnb. I had to stop uh, during that drive and I had to throw up again on the side of the road. And I just was feeling really pretty terrible. So ended up getting back to the Airbnb my dad kind of hatched this plan to take me to the hospital to give me I, uh, an IV for fluids. I really didn't want to go to the hospital. I didn't think that I needed it. And, um, and, but at the same time, like I hadn't been able to keep anything down for over four hours at that point. So I knew that my body was in kind of bad shape and I needed some fluids. But I ended up convincing my dad that I would just drink uh, around a liter of water uh, before I went to bed instead of going to the hospital and, and getting fluids. So it ended up taking me about two hours to get that water down. And I really didn't enjoy it. But I ended up getting it down, went to bed and felt way better the next morning. And then we ended up going to Orlando that morning. So that was that was the Ironman in a nutshell, and the the total time for the run portion was six hours and forty three minutes. So again, when you go through and add all of that up, uh, the total time was fifteen hours one minute and one second. So not anywhere near an impressive time or competitive whatsoever. But my main goal was just going there, finishing it, getting it done. I ended up doing that. Uh, I remember when I was just starting the run, my, our dad said like, Hey, you're doing so well. It's like the, uh, the race tracker is telling, telling us that your expected finish is 12 hours. And I was, I was thinking, wow, that's like really, that's pretty fast. That's way better than I thought I would do. And, uh, I, I even said to him, I was like, yeah, I wouldn't count on that. Right. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, it turned out even worse than I was expecting, uh, during the second half of that run. So anyways, that was, uh, that was my 
the ultimate question is, a, would you nutshell. do, would you do another one? Um, so right now I'm not totally sure of that question. So I, I think I'm going to eventually forget how much that Ironman actually hurts and how kind of difficult it was. And then I'll probably convince myself, oh, you can do another one. You should continue doing this because I love that mental challenge. I love continuing to push myself and challenge myself. And I know that I can do better in this race. Like I have tons of room for improvement, but it wasn't really as enjoyable as I was expecting it was going to be like all the other longer endurance runs that I've done, like upwards of the half Ironman that we did together. And well, I mean, you are doubling the distance. So yeah. So (laughs) that double, that doubling of the distance makes it easily four times more challenging. And I knew that it wasn't just going to be twice as difficult. I knew it was going to be way more than that, but it was much more challenging than I was expecting. I know if I had more conditioning, if I was training more regularly and had a longer duration of total training time, um, I'd obviously feel better if I had experimented with longer runs and experimented with nutrition, probably wouldn't have had that issue. But it uh, it was a lot more challenging than I expected, and uh, I'm not totally sure that I really cared to have that experience again. <laughs> um, I actually ended up doing like run walking uh, during the marathon with another sixty something year old guy. I don't know his exact age, but his name was Rob, and he was uh, actually really helpful in kind of pushing me some of those miles. Um, he was in the 65 to 69 age group. So I don't know his exact age, but, uh, late sixties. And he, we were just talking about all types of stuff. And I love being able to do that with people when you're racing. Um, and I found out that Maryland's Ironman Maryland was going to be his 16th, uh, Ironman finish. And around, this was like probably mile 15 or 16. And we were just chatting and he just, uh, he said to me after he told me this was his 16th, he was like, I don't know why I keep signing up for these things. Like, apparently I'm just a moron. (laughs) (laughs) And I was at that time I was thinking like, yeah, I I don't know why I signed up for this. (laughs) This is number one. And I feel like that's, that's going to teach me. But uh, he's just like, yeah, I always get super pumped for these and I think they're going to be awesome and I do them and I hate myself and it's just like terrible, but I keep signing up for them and I don't know why and I don't know when it's going to stop. But uh, he was a a really cool guy. I'm really glad that we could kind of push each other for a few of those miles. But um, I ended up, he he was just like, hey, I can't do this run walking anymore. I'm just going to start walking. And he's like, you go ahead. Like, it seems like you have more in the tank. And I ended up going ahead and I kind of did a little bit more walk jogging, mostly jogging for the mile after I was with him because I was starting to feel a little bit better. And then I just hit a major wall. (laughs) So I don't know. He might have actually finished before me. I never I never got his last name, but I'm sure I could uh, figure figure out who it was. Um, So, yeah, I I think uh, I'm not sure. What was your favorite part? Um. My favorite part uh, was definitely, um, I'd say the the whole environment is really cool. Like the whole Ironman environment is really awesome. I loved getting to the start of the run and I really just felt amazing. Like getting ready to start the run, I felt totally fresh. 
I was just like, I'm going to crush this. Up to that point, my nutrition was totally on point. I felt really good. The salt was helping me a ton. So that uh, that allowed me to not cramp at all because I've in the past, I've had lots of issues with cramping during longer runs like marathon plus style running. And this allowed me, I actually didn't cramp at all during the entire race, a little bit in my sides during the second half of the run. But as far as like cramping in my legs or anything, I didn't get any of that. It was just my stomach that was causing me issues. So I don't know, being able to share that experience with uh, you and the rest of our family and Stacy, I think that was probably my highlight. The, the running portion was so cool with the, the, the crowd. Uh, yeah, like that, the, that makes all the difference. I, w- I was blown away because we didn't have that in Boulder at all. Boulder was literally aid stations and nothing else. Yeah, uh, there were a few was. corner pockets where there were a few people, but most of the time I just remember being completely to myself on the, the course. Yeah, it was pretty much only around the finish line that people right. actually were. So it was a two lap course and you basically, you saw them when you started the run and then halfway through and then at the finish, right. that was basically it. So I thought it was just really cool how they, they planned it perfectly because the turnaround for the run portion was like where a ton of pubs were and everything. So everyone was drinking and like getting all rowdy and like uh, super motivating. So I could only imagine being on the running side of things. Um, yeah. But uh, what what was the most challenging part? I think you've already kind of addressed this, but yeah. So the I knew about the jellyfish going into it. I did not know how bad they actually would be. And I spoke with a. I heard from a few other people who have done this in the past. They said like by far this was the worst year for jellyfish. So yay for that. <laughs> but they're they actually increased the. Uh, legal water temperature so we were right on the edge uh once you go past 76.1 degrees so 76.1 and above it's no longer a wetsuit legal race so you can race with a wetsuit but you're not going to uh, be eligible for any um any slots in the world uh championships for triathlon or uh be able to place in your age group that wasn't an issue at all for me i was planning on swimming with the wetsuit anyways even if it wasn't wetsuit legal but the jellyfish were so bad that they ended up increasing that by two degrees to ensure that wetsuits would be legal and that kind of that kind of really psyched me out in the beginning. And during the swim, again, I didn't know what my time was. I had no idea the pace I was going. I felt like I was going at a pretty good clip, but I had no idea that I was doing actually decently well. And um, that kind of really psyched me out. But the most challenging part by far was mile 20 and beyond. Like that just, I just wanted to lay by the side of the road and just fall asleep or like just give up. <laughs> I wanted I wanted to stop so badly. And again, I was I was walking pretty much uh those last 6 miles, but battling my mind over the over the last few miles, that was by far the most challenging part. Yeah. Yeah, so. that's cool. They they uh it, it you're giving me like flashbacks to like the uh, boot camp and everything. It's like the mental aspect is always the most challenging regardless. Yeah, yeah totally. And that's, uh, I guess that's probably what I would say that I'm most proud of from this experience. First of all, like getting to the finish line, becoming an Ironman, that's awesome. But like most of the time, your limits are all mental. 
and you have to work through those and continue pushing through. And that's very challenging. But I think I got as close to my physical limits as I ever have gotten in my life. And that's really, it's a very painful experience, but that's a really cool experience to have is mentally being able to push yourself to the point where your body might literally just give out. And I'm not, I'm certainly not saying that's healthy. I very much do not think that is healthy. Um, like going out and doing an Ironman, that's not, uh, I think the training up to that can be a healthy thing, but actually doing an event like that, I don't think that's really healthy. Um, but that's not exactly the point. The point is, um, really getting to establish, breaking through those mental barriers, establishing kind of a new level to what you, um, are realizing is possible for you. And that was just a really awesome part of it. So just, uh, just glad that I got to test those limits and kind of realize. Well, I mean, that's a question right there is what, where's the potential now? Yeah. So I think, I think there are lots of different ways of challenging yourself. For example, what we've done in building the vegan gym from like a business perspective and leadership perspective, I think that's challenging in and of in and of itself, it's not physically challenging necessarily, but it's um it's challenging. Going out and doing an Ironman race, that's very challenging in a way physically, but it's not quite the same type of challenge as going out and trying to sprint a really well, fast let, let, let me or let me ask the question in this sense. Uh with with how this race has made you perceive your your potential, how has it made you reevaluate what you thought your potential was in different areas of your life? Does that make sense? Yeah. So I guess, as I said, I, I pushed myself farther physically than I've ever pushed myself before. And I've realized that previously, whenever, like I, I got to, I got to mile 20 and the only thing in the world that I wanted was to just jump into a bed or not. I, there's no way I could jump, <laughs> fall <laughs> over it onto a bed and just pass out. That's all I wanted to do. That's all I was really thinking about. Um, the side of the road was perfectly fine. <laughs> I could just fall over onto the side of the road and I would have been out easily. Um, but pushing myself through that, I realized that. Previously, when I have approached what I thought was my limit, I wasn't actually there. I wasn't actually to the point where I got to during this Ironman. And if that if that run were another two miles, if it was 28 miles instead of 26 for that run, I don't know that I would have been able to push myself to the finish line. I like to think that I could. And I would have done whatever I possibly could. Every, I would have pulled every single ounce of energy that I possibly could have to get those extra two miles, but I'm not sure that I physically could have. So that's, that's kind of how close I really felt like I was to my limits, which is, is really awesome. So what that does is every single time you kind of push against those physical limits, you start rewiring what effort actually means. Right. So then you start realizing, okay, I've now seen what 
like 99% effort actually is. So what I thought before was, was 90% is actually 80% or 70%. So I can go farther than I thought. So, so I guess that's the answer to your question. Well, my second part would be now that you have experienced that getting back into the weight training, how does that make you view weight training now? Yeah. So I, I guess, yeah, I can, I could talk about how I want to continue pushing my limits and like try to hit new PRs on. Well, I, I, I guess, like I guess my question would be more so is like, do you, are, are you, are you reevaluating or questioning the amount of the intensity level that you have brought to weight training? I think does that make sense? Yeah, it's a it's a different style of training, right? Though, so but it's I, the same mentality. Type it, the the mental thing is pretty much the same in terms of how much you're pushing yourself. Uh, I don't know. It hasn't shifted anything for me because I'm just I'm trying to have the perspective of very slowly getting back into it. We'll see what I decide to do, kind of moving forward. Yeah. But I think I I'm definitely on fire to get back and become bigger and stronger than I ever have before. Like yeah. that, that's what that I felt that even when I stopped training. So that very seriously motivates me. Yeah. Um, but not necessarily right now from a perspective of, can I taste that 99% effort again through weight training? Yeah. I guess the, the way that you would determine that is like amount lifted and size and yeah, yeah it would and, just be, yeah. So you'll see that the in a few months of your workouts. It would be if you sign up for a powerlifting or a bodybuilding competition or something like that. It would be really pushing yourself to the total max. And do you see yourself doing that before another Ironman? I see myself doing that before another Ironman, but I don't really see myself doing that. So yeah, I guess that means I'm not doing an Ironman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I don't know. Like all these goals can change over time, right. and this this is totally all these goals are malleable and i think that's a really cool part of designing any area of your life you can always decide hey i was working towards this goal it was really awesome like having this experience but the main thing that i took away from this is i actually don't care as much about this goal as i thought i did so let's pivot 10 degrees and head in a slightly different direction i think that's really awesome and i think constantly having that conversation with yourself i think is really important and you had a very similar uh, conversation with yourself a few months ago. And you're like, hey, actually completing this Ironman right now doesn't totally align with my goals right now. So I'm going to put that on the back burner. And that's, I think, it's important to have those conversations because right. then you're just going to get burned out and you're going to really hate what you're doing and stuff like that. I basically was having the same conversations with myself, but I was really dead set on like, this is the time I'm going to do an Ironman. And well, you did, already, you did vow to do one before 30. So yeah. So, and this was the only chance I would. <laughs> and you're 30 next month. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that, uh, oh, it's actually, yeah, it's exactly one month from today, but yeah, that, um, I don't know if I'm ever going to be doing training in that same style, like really pushing myself to the limits, um, in weight training, uh, because as I said, like, I don't think that's, I don't think doing that, doing Ironmans is necessarily a healthy thing, like training for it, that can be healthy, but, and it can also push your limits, but actually doing the event, 
is not healthy and it pushes you um, probably a, a little too far physically. Um, so yeah, I don't know that I necessarily want to replicate that experience through weight training, but it does shift my perspective on what is, what, what is hard, what is actually hard. So I think that's, that's a, that's something to constantly remind yourself of pushing, pushing your limits and then always reminding yourself, Hey, I am capable of pushing myself to 99% of my complete physical ability. So I can easily work for another two hours on something I really care about. I can easily go crush a a workout in the gym. I can easily do the hard stuff every single day because this is nothing compared to mile 22 on an Ironman. Yeah. Based on what I've gone through. Hard shit makes you grow. Yeah, it certainly does. So yeah, all in all, it was an amazing experience. Um, it was extremely mentally and physically challenging, um, but I got so much out of it. Um, I'm super grateful for Stacy showing up and helping out. Super grateful for you and the rest of the family showing up for support. That made a huge difference. I'm not sure if I would have even been able to talk myself into those last few miles if I didn't have people that I knew were at the finish line waiting for me to come in. So that made a huge uh, difference. And I also really appreciate everybody uh, listening to this who sent me well wishes, cheered me on. I really, really appreciate it. I can't tell you how much I, I really appreciate that. Um, and I'm just super excited to get back to a normal weight training routine. Super excited to get back and have more time and energy to focus on this podcast, on growing the vegan gym, on helping more people. And, uh, and that's what it's all about. We really hope that you enjoyed this episode. To take the next step in your vegan fitness journey and get access to all our best content for free, check out theveganjim.com. We'll teach you everything you need to know to torch body fat, break through plateaus, build lean vegan muscle, and supercharge your health. Get started right now at theveganjim.com. Until next time, peace, love, and gains.